0: What's up, guys? On today's podcast, I have one of my favorite people from one of my favorite restaurants, Tony Lemo. What's up, Tony?
1: What's up, Adam?
0: Do you want Tony or Anthony? Tony. 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 What's up, Anthony?
1: <laughs> What's your middle name? Gerald. What's up,
0: Gerald? AJ. My family calls me AJ. What's your family call you?
1: Tony. Tony. T. Tony Junior. What's your middle? Joseph.
0: Tony Joseph.
1: Very Anthony Catholic. Anthony Joseph. Anthony Joseph. That's very Catholic. That's a very very old school.
0: I'm trying to think of something more Catholic. Like it'd have to be like Mary Louise
1: or like a Francis or a...
0: oh, my wife. I want to bring this up right now. I like wanted Francis on. I wanted Francis for multiple reasons. I have a George, so I could have a George and a Frank. No dice. Shut it down.
1: Francis Graziano. Yeah, a hundred and six years they've been in business locally,
0: right? I would have went with. I would have went with uh, was George Gerald, mm-hmm. or it could have been George Francis and. She wasn't, and we got Pope Francis, but she's she's got an Uncle Frank ah. and just couldn't disconnect the two. Funny story about my son, actually. You know George Cataldo? Uh, the name.
1: You know the name and what yeah. he's done, yeah?
0: Yeah, we played golf. I'd th- I don't. I'd have to ask him. I think his middle name's Francis, but it was that day I played golf. I was like, George, what's your full name? He's like, George Cataldo. I was like, George Grupp. I kind of like that. <laughs> so I went with it. He's the fourth George on my wife's side, mm-hmm. and then he's George Gerald. I'm Adam Gerald. And now he's and he's the fourth Jerry in my lineage, mm-hmm. and the fourth George on his side, on my side. Does that make sense? It does. Oh, so mm-hmm. that's that's what I know. That's but about it.
1: It's he's connected.
0: So I we've known each other a really long time. Actually, one of my first memories of you, I feel like it was you getting a haircut. You were a Dowling football player. You are older than me. People get like sensitive about me bringing that up, but
1: I'm ninety seven and. 2001, 2001, 2001. God, you were a puppy.
0: Right. But I remember seeing you guys like in pads and you were monsters. You were, you know. Where was
1: the haircut at? Valley West Mall?
0: <laughs> no, I think my Aunt Pam, maybe somebody was cutting your hair. Like your grandma knew somebody that hmm. my grandma knew and you were getting your hair cut. And I just, as a young, young guy, I remember thinking that's Anthony Lemo. That's Tony Lemo.
1: Did you go get Deadly that? Catholic. Did you go get that haircut the next day?
0: <laughs> yeah, I might have. <laughs> I know you never know. I might have. All right. So obviously we know each other, but give uh, give kind of a bullet give for our listeners a background on who is Tony Lemo.
1: Like twenty minutes or like two minutes? Uh, two to three. Two to three. Yeah, yeah I'll meet a you. There. Very
0: short attention spans for some reason. I don't know. I'm teasing, but
1: fired up. Yeah, I'm fired up. The yeah. adrenaline's just, you know. Okay, so yeah, obviously. Grew up in the South Side, went to Dowling High School, uh, was a football stud there. I can say that now that I'm yeah, out of you're shape. You were a stud? I was, all state elite two years in a row. Yeah. Uh, got a scholarship to University of Northern Iowa, did a year up there. Um, day one, check in, I was like, no bueno. <laughs> Stuck it out. <laughs> Like no. not
0: even a night at the hill. No. Monday morning. And I was
1: like doubting it, you know, during the college visit stuff. And I was really? like, is this really what I want to do? Do I want to, you know, bash up my knees and my back? And, and I wasn't, I wasn't ready for college and academia. So, uh, long story short, you know, I was like, oh, I'll do this for a year. I'll honor it, you know, honor the contract, if you will. Yeah. And, uh, did a year up there or did a year of football, finished five years strong and, um, almost moved to Chicago and that fell through last minute. So I, End up staying in Des Moines, waited tables for a couple of restaurants in town. And then I started Cafe Di Scala in the old Metro Market, which is now where Gateway is.
0: What year was that?
1: September of 2003. Was it really? Yeah. yeah. Holy cow. You we weren't even of legal age. No. No. <laughs> no. Not that it was like a bar. It was, you know, it was an indoor farmer's market where Gateway Market is now. Uh, it was a little, I think it was like 308 square feet. Yeah. And it was open a couple of days a week on the weekends and I sold homemade pastas and, you know, made hot sandwiches to go there. You know, there's a little cafeteria area, a dining room with some other restaurants that, you know, you could walk through and buy, you know, Delaware County meats had some pork chops, some bacon. There was, you know, people selling homemade candles and honeys. And, you know, it was like a little, little bit of Iowa on one building. Great idea. Didn't last very long. Uh, fortunately, I, you know, was able to get the name out there and kind of build my brand and then I bought the Chat Noir down the street. uh, It opened Cafe di Scala in June, no excuse me, closed in June of 05 and opened in July 29th of 05. Got it. Had an awesome run uh, before the first few years of there, I started Frank's Pizza which evolved into Gusto Pizza and then since Juniper Moon and uh, here we are. El Guapo. El guapo yeah, over
0: by my parents' house,
1: yeah, really fun place tacos yeah. tequila I like lots tequila. of TVs not in january though
0: i'm i don't I don't uh, discriminate on when I drink tequila. I'm actually not drinking right now, we talked about that, yeah. but uh it's maybe, really he- you know, next month
1: tequila's super healthy I think it's it's like the new white wine it's the new it's a new thing, so
0: do you have a because I've become sort of a tequila on the rocks to sip and really mm. enjoy a good tequila. I've mm-hmm. really come around to that. Do you have a, okay, so let's just unpack this right now. Mm-hmm. I am a Don Julio on on the rocks mm-hmm. guy, a mm-hmm. little bit of lemon, mm-hmm. and I can just sip through that all night. I'm not trying to have like 10 of them, but I can have two of those and really like it a lot. Is it similar to wine or beer that they're sort of like different varietal like how how do they break out do you understand how they break out the
1: tequila? uh i mean the nuts and the bolts of it you know um my partner chase over there i don't know, if you know chase is our fourth partner over there okay uh, it's the gusto guys actually there's five of us She's louise so sorry jared <laughs> jared's <laughs> in san diego right now so no. all right no but um long story short chase has put together an amazing tequila list and i think we're up to like 45 48 really yeah actually we're I think we're over 50 now because I haven't checked in for a couple of weeks, but um, I am. So regarding the production of it and, you know, grapes are, you know, plucked and they go and crush them and ferment and depending on what kind of wine you're making uh, or what the the laws of the government says, for instance, it, Italy has an appellation system that's DOC, DOCGs and IGTs. Those are basically just labels of how important those wines are and how strict the recipes are, essentially how you can make those. Uh, Mexico is very similar to that, where you know the mezcal, or not the mezcal, but the agave plant is. Um, okay, excuse me, you scared me. I thought you were going <laughs> down on me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so anyway, <laughs> talk about losing your train of thought. You're at mezcal, and no, no, they n- have not, not mezcal. So I was saying agave, you know, the plant Got that tequila is made yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, uh, that is grown in a specific area. Uh, which I believe is Jalisco, um, and again I'm I'm a wine snob, so I'm not going to pretend I know lots about tequila. I really don't, but I'm with you that a little you know anejo on uh, the yeah. rocks, even you know if it's a non aged tequila is great just on the rocks. Like nothing else is phenomenal. Right. Um, you know, I took my family there yesterday after this wonderful little uh, holiday celebration. I had you know a couple different margaritas and freshly squeezed lime juice and lemon juice is amazing for you. You know, right. I mean that alone is. You know detoxing and yeah. then i think you know how clean tequila drinks and how it's made is really cool obviously start getting like mezcal where they smoke the leaves and then distill it you know that's a much more intense application to that but um going back to it i think i think the soul and the the, the idea the notion of how you make it and how important it is that that region uh, is very similar to wine as it is to like france and italy and spain um where it's just a really important part of their identity. Yeah. And uh, I think without doubt, I mean, you, anyone will know this, wine and grapes are a lot more delicate. And, uh, you know, there's the toir, which is the ground, and the geography where you're at is really important. that makes the wine the wine. Yeah, totally. But also Mother Nature and weather. You know, rain is no good. You know, rain towards the end of harvest can just destroy an entire, you know, vintage of, right. of something really cool. So. And I've seen it, you know, like it's, it's amazing. So, and then even if you have a great season and and the ground's great and everything's just humming along great, you know, then the, the winemaker's got to take that and put that in the cellar and make something great out of it. So there's, you know, that's kind of like the least it's important, but that's the easy part. Hard part is what mother nature does.
0: Is tequila similar in that? That It's, it's
1: not. That's the region? I, okay, so... Th- it's not as delicate as that. So That it, makes... Yeah.
0: Se- so you can have more consistency with the tequila Absolutely. regardless of where it's Absolutely. grown. Absolutely. But with the grapes, it has everything to do with the region and the ground and the Correct. water and everything. Yeah,
1: it's important. The chihuahua is just as important, obviously. But, you know, and that's why you don't see... I don't know of any vintage um, tequila. And I think that's partly why, because, you know, a 17, and 18, you know... There's no Barolos out there because they take a few years to age. But uh, just, you know, younger wine, you're going to taste the subtle differences right. between those because of what nature did. Yeah, Not so much what the winemaker did, but, you know, what what happened out there in the vineyard, you know. Right. So, and as, you know, vines get older, they start to lose their soul. So you'll see winemakers pull up those older vines, plant new ones, and the whole process starts all over. So it's it's phenomenal. Yeah. I don't know the specific details about, you know, agave, but, uh, you know, they're a little more um, fortified, if you will, you know, a little more insulated in the soil, you know, sand or whatever.
0: No, that makes sense. Uh, One of the things that I've always enjoyed about our conversations, and this makes me think of that, is you have just such a true passion, not only as an entrepreneur, but as a restaurateur and as as a chef. And our dialogue always really goes to sort of the romance of in the art of uh, food and the experience, and also combining that with your entrepreneurial spirit. Where does that come from for you? Where does that, where do you feel like that starts? Some that people, is, do you have, is there a moment or a time there's that definitely, you really fell in love with cooking yeah. and the entrepreneurial side?
1: Um, they're, they're tied together. They're directly tied together for sure, but I, you know, I didn't really get pick up the cooking thing till college. You know, my mother always cooked a homemade meal, you know, six and a half days a week. If not, you know, always had a homemade cooked meal at home. We didn't go out much. Um, and I didn't really start to get curious about that part of it till I was in college, believe it or not. Like, what am I doing here? You know, right. what you you know, and again, I ended up with a bachelor of liberal arts, which is basically three minors you right. know, lumped into one in a five year, you know, little vacation
0: did you have college jobs you worked at a pizza oh, yeah joint there? I
1: did I worked up at Tony's La Pizzeria so that was really fun I actually did everything from like prep during the day with the old man Tony Tomyanovich God bless his soul he'd have a big fat red man in his mouth and we'd watch CNN and he'd spit on the floor and be like <laughs> those damn liberals <laughs> so uh he was just a great man I well I should be careful with that but he was he was old school I'll just put it that way yeah very old school and uh I looked up to him a lot but that aside, I actually was a bartender there, you know, on the Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, and then occasionally I'd, you know, make pizzas during the day for a couple hours and, ex- you know, a little extra paycheck and uh, delivered too. Like, it was kind of like all the facets. That wasn't what, you know, oh, I know how to do this now. I'm going to open my own place. But it was certainly, I think probably when I realized the language of food is when, you know, I was like, okay, okay. It's kind of cool to see these different behind the scenes things, you know, um, but, you know, as you know, my family... My my dad's folks had Lemo's, you know, Lemo's grill. And uh, when he grew up, my mother's father was a Lacona, Frank Lacona. He worked for both Noah and Chuck, Mama Lacona's and Noah's Ark. So he was a chef there and did everything, jack of all trades. So, you know, it's like dangling on both sides. Right. That so, was always
0: our go-to growing up was Mama Lacona's pizza. My, which one? I'm curious. because you know, Over Beaverdale. A, oh, yeah. So my grandfather, yeah. my grandpa Jerry and Nancy lived on Lower Beaver. Mm-hmm. And that was every, if we went over to, you know, Grandma Grandpa's, we'd go to the pool. And that afternoon, we'd order Mama Lacona's. Yeah. And that was just it, what we did. One of my
1: favorite pizzas. And, you know. Right. for no sure. question. So very similar to Noah's. So you can still get it. But, you know, a little different, obviously.
0: Yeah. I hadn't been to Noah's for a long time, up until probably a couple of years ago, and you just sort of forget how good, important, it great. Is. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. like
1: it's walking into like the Smithsonian. Yeah, you know? and there's you know that nautical theme that's really cool and wacky, and and then there's just this seventy five plus year legacy of family, you know, doing what they do best. You know, um, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's a long time.
0: How do you balance that? That's interesting with restaurants and. You, you you have a variety of, of businesses within the restaurants that you guys do. And Cafe de Scala was really this place of an experience. It's in the home. It's one of my wife and I's favorite restaurants. Um, always has been, now being a pasto. But it's like that was something you're, it was, it was an art form, right? Thank you, man. And then you really take on the other side where you're trying to create more concept and deliver uh, something totally different which is Gusso mm-hmm. in really super good fresh pizza right out of the oven mm-hmm. uh, but more uh, ready to order pizza. Mm-hmm. How do you balance between that? Like we talk about Noah's Mm -hmm. and then say, take something that's a newer concept where the food is really good. It's different. But when you walk into a place like Noah's, you know, you're steeped in, you just feel that you marinate in the tradition. You feel the, you feel that, right. You Mm -hmm. go to Latin King, Mm -hmm. you feel that. I mean, I think that's maybe for me, the difference between like a Centro and, and a Latin King. Mm-hmm. Now that there's not tradition at Centro as that's continually growing over that's time, been, right? A yeah.
1: Decade and a half versus, you know, 60, 70, yeah, you know, yeah. seven decades. Yeah. And you feel that.
0: Mm-hmm. How do you balance between that as a business person and as a, as a, as a chef, right? The ones that pour out their passion and do that, how do you how do you balance between those two? Does that make two, sense? Two different
1: vehicles, you're saying? Like the gusto vehicle and the posto vehicle?
0: Yeah. As you're picking concepts and you want something that's going to resonate yeah. with folks, but at the same time, you really, you know, sometimes you can, I don't know how to really say it, but I feel like, I think I'll think of like real estate. You might do something that I really, really, really like, but then to the masses, it doesn't land. Mm-hmm right? Mm-hmm. Or sometimes we'll do stuff that hits for the masses that maybe wasn't necessarily my style as a business person and a chef. Like I almost feel like the business owners, like, you know, give them the filet and mm-hmm. give them the cab, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's the movie? What's the food truck movie?
1: Oh, chef. Yeah. yeah. And
0: he goes in there and he gets fired. He's, right. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of that yeah. it is. How do you balance for it's you funny. between the entrepreneur and the artist?
1: No, I'm f- totally focused here, by the way, but I'm gonna bring up another movie before I answer your question. I love it. <laughs> we can bounce around. It's, so, the, it's your have time. you the movie The Big Night? Have you heard of that? Ooh. Just Google The Big Night, and also, there's there is a scene where husband and couple are in a small, very empty Italian restaurant, and uh, the wife is like, "I think I'll have a side of risotto with my, you know, bucatini or my meatballs." And the chef, uh, like one, there's two brothers. It's great, it's fantastic movie, by the way please watch it. It's it's the most underrated. Um, you don't have to have, be in the restaurant business to appreciate it, but it's great. So one brother's out in the front, kind of running the front of the house, which is the in, inside of the restaurant, minus the kitchen. And the back of the house is the kitchen for, you know, if you need the term, the lingo. So the back of the house is the other brother who's a little more temperamental. And he hears the woman order a side of risotto with her spaghetti. And he's like, no, no, these Philistines, these filthy people, no, I will not do it, you know? So it's like, you know, trying to balance that, Uh, I thought of that when you said that, how do you balance, you know, the two different worlds. So going back to your question, how do I balance it? Well, first off, I have amazing partners, you know, Joe McConville and Josh and I started Gusto pizza. Um, originally it was Frank's pizza, as you know, and started in the Drake neighborhood. Um, and I'd started that with another partner and bought them out and then went, you know, full steam about a year after that with, um, good friend of mine, Aaron Flynn with Flynn Wright. And we worked on a new logo, and then kind of, you know, new sensory package of the place and with Joe and Josh. I brought them on board as partners, and, you know, we, we threw that thing out of the gates, super strong, almost nine years of the date, literally uh, another week or so. I should know the exact date, but I don't. Um, and uh, Ingersoll opened the doors as Gusto. After a couple years, the Franks was closed. Gusto happened, and going back to that, like, how do you balance that full dining, you know, a wine steward, you know, a host, a bartender, you know, five, six people in the kitchen and just all these intricate parts that make this great experience, you know, um, it's like a maestro, you know, and it's it's, where my head was is. And I, you know, I'm, I feel like sometimes that's what I am. Sometimes I think I'm a shrink, you know, helping people's problems out Right. a little bit of Bob Vila, a little bit of Martha Stewart, you know, there's just a lot of roles you have to play, but that person that is the maestro that is helping, you know, make the production alive and beautiful. Um, you know, you have to dive into a lot of different worlds. So part of Gusta was one. I never thought I'd have a fine dining restaurant this long. I never wanted Scala to be open more than five, six years. I knew I'd want to do a pizzeria and do a few of them and, you know, kind of grow out of that fine dining thing and just, you know, much easier concept to run. Um, and maybe that's a little naive to say that to think that back then and know it now how difficult it is. But, um, you know, I, to have a, a post-O, you know, Cafe Di Scala 2.0 now, it's it's amazing. Um, that was never part of the game plan. I mean, I I remember they, uh, I think it was, well, obviously, City View and was it Point Blank was the other weekly publication back then. Do you remember? Mm-mm. So there was a couple weekly publications, and I, you know, mom cut everything out and framed it, and that's, like, I'll never, you know, it's hanging up my office. My quote was, like, you know, I'll do this for three or four years, five years maybe. I'm not a Noah Lacona or Bob Tercey. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do this forever, you know. Or something else calling me so yeah. pizza was kind of a way to kind of keep food going and then you know whatever the next calling was I, I wasn't quite sure so
0: but it keeps pulling you back right just
1: when I thought I was out it just pulls me back in what
0: is that <laughs> I mean what is that though that's the godfather and, by the way right but what but what is it it's a, what, it's a, ru- it's a sense of
1: rush in? it's a sense of uh like I said I mean like I'm very blessed with the people that I'm able to surround myself with. I mean, I have one of the most talented chefs in town. I mean, we're Des Moines blessed with, with the culinary scene. They really are. We really are rather. And, um, Sean, who is, you know, he's been with me for a year and a half. Um, you know, with this kind of like new evolution of our identity, because the poster was originally just ticketed dinners only on Saturday nights and private events, you know, and it wasn't working great. And I was like patient with it, but then you realize, you know, either sell it, get out or, just do it better, and do it the right way. And so I chose, you know, that one. Thank God, and we're kicking butt. It's great. And um, going back to your question, you know, like maestro, all the moving parts. Um, there's a joy in it of making everything connect. And you know, you and your wife coming in for a, a date night, and you guys leaving with a smile on your face. Like there's something really rewarding about that. Right. Same thing when you see someone close on a house. You know, one of your yeah. houses. They get their keys right. I mean, that's a big deal. So, um, not as big a deal as having a great experience, but you know, there's uh, there's a lot of behind the scenes with you. You know, you can fix things and then you hand them the keys and their dream homes. There, our place. There's all these things that could unravel and it's frustrating at times. But you know, I've I've been I've set this up 2.0 where I don't have to be there. Like I want to be there and I be there. I'm there as much as I can and I'm there a ton in the morning. But at night, you know, I want to be with my two girls, my wife, and, you know, I'm 40. I'm in my 40s, and I have two young girls. So, you know, the rest aren't part, you know, all those moving parts and so submerged in them and making sure they were, you know, implemented, everything was done perfectly. I mean, I feel like I devoted a lot of, you know, my life to that early on. So now it's kind of like it's cool to see that work without me because I feel like I built everything I yeah. it took to build to invest in all that is happening now. And I can be a dad and a husband and it's cool. How have you
0: found, how do you, a, how do you define enough? So how do you find staff or no, like personally, like that's tough as an entrepreneur, like finding uh, the, the, what is, what is enough? Right. We, before we came on, we were talking a little bit about kind of having to know yourself and, and, and you kind of shared a little bit of your philosophy a lot of it is about finding what is what is enough, right? Yeah. As an entrepreneur, no, it's true. easy to chase Yeah. all the different ideas. And I feel like if, you know, I know for us, if you feel like, hey, we have something that's really good in this area, and then it's like, well, we could do that again. Or we do this really well, so obviously we could do that really well, right? Mm-hmm. And the entrepreneur in you wants to just continue to try all these different things, but at some point you have to know for yourself what's enough. I have to have some ability to be present at work, be present for my kids, be present in my marriage and and make all of this, you know, work, Mm -hmm. right? And there is that constant pull to want to go back in, but you have to find out what is enough. There's got to be a governor in there, you know? Yeah. What's that philosophy for you? How do you sort of in your mind navigate that?
1: Well, you know, a couple years ago I said I would never open another restaurant and that clearly changed when we reopened uh, Gusto is El Guapo's and Waukee, but you know, I think that was a little bit where we we saw our concept um, Start to be challenged with so many new pizzerias moving in from out of state and chains and you know We're invested in that area. It's like, you know, you know another location was a different story we were Like this is never gonna work. It's not worth our energy and you know, it was a collective decision This one we're like the neighborhoods there. What's what's missing, you know, what do we do wrong? You know, what can we do right and so you know, that's kind of how how El Guapo's was born so, um, an asterisk by that comment, like, I'm not gonna do anything more. I mean, that's kind of like my, my, my fist is down. I'm not doing anything more. You know, there's just no yeah. reason to, um, and it's, you know, in your twenties and thirties, you know, I think I thought I was 18 still and I'm just not, and I realize how precious life is obviously, you know, I lost my dear mom a few years ago and I see that and it's just not worth it going 90 miles an hour. And then it's stopping, you know, you know. You, you didn't get a stop it stopped you you know right. so i think that's a big part of it um and again just you know i think being having have closed scala you know and i close you know as you know and uh, a lot of listeners don't know that that was my choice to close it because you know as you know i was there all the time i I literally lived above it you know if you came in there for dinner and i wasn't there you're upset you know because I, I became the bob Tercy, I became the Noah Lacona. And so part of it was like, I just, we closed it on top, had a phenomenal year. And my accountant was like, are you serious? You really want to close this right now? You're, you're, you're crushing your record. You know, I'm Right. Like, yes, I do. I really do. You know, so yeah. life throws you curveballs, and, uh, you know, a couple of the other businesses and go as planned, And, you know, I had to kind of re, retool a posto, Scala, and I've done that. And, uh, since then, you know, I've gotten married, I've had two kids and that's my governor. That's my compass. That's my. Yeah that's my threshold you know but you know i don't know is it
0: No, it does i i think that's the hardest part as an entrepreneur is to really sometimes know where enough is because it is endless i mean the opportunities yeah. are really endless and when you do yeah. something good people are coming to you constantly with ideas like hey you know you should do a mexican restaurant like yeah. whatever you know yeah, yeah, right. it's like they're coming to you constantly right. with
1: ideas the tony me 10 years ago would have kept going though you know right and it in probably wasn't super healthy you know i'm yeah. sure you know the stress or just you know the extra wear and tear on the knees or the you know three hour or four hour nights of sleep and getting back up and you know i mean i've i've burnt quite a bit you know on both ends i've burned a lot of midnight oil i still love burning the midnight oil just different way you know yeah and uh part of that experience is is hopefully it's made me a little bit brighter sharper you know as Andrew said you know a couple places I have closed. he goes you know what you got your MBA out of this deal you lost a ton of money on a couple of those places and you know you're down on yourself because you no one wants to ever close something but you're stronger because of those things those things you couldn't control are you know they're making you stronger yeah and tying back to what we were talking about before we started recording, you know, uh, Robert, Robert Rodriguez um, is the director writer and um, going back into, you know, his, the Desperado movie before that he made El Mariachi. before he was in, no one knew who he was with no money. And he, he made that movie for seven grand pre-production. We figured out and uh, his, his book, you know, I read it 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago called rebel without a camera. And it was him talking about making that movie and sometimes less is more. And it just, opens you up and you know you're able to feel things and see things you wouldn't see with a million dollars sitting in front of you you know so um and maybe that is an ingredient i'm just realizing this part of my process is everything i've ever done has been you know all hands on deck i mean i'm drywall and i'm trimming i'm you know i've done everything i mean that cafe i mean i've honed it with my own hands you know it wasn't like you know we're gonna have a guy come over here and build this and this guy's gonna build this i mean i've i'm pretty proud of the things i molded with my hands and you know joe josh and i and jared and chase have all done that with El guapas we did the entire demo and the build out ourselves right so i think there's a there's a reward in there there's you know okay well we don't have 20 grand to to do that fancy bar so you know we're pretty proud of it and it looks phenomenal things that we would have never thought of happened because of that you know predicament yeah it wasn't even predicament it was just you know again those are the oranges that we were dealt with and we you know that's pretty cheesy, so we'll, no. we'll edit that one out. No, it, it, it makes
0: sense, and I think, honestly, as I'm listening, this is ultimately what I love about you and I love having conversations with you about is a lot of these are really vehicles to the bigger picture, mm-hmm. okay? And mm-hmm. and it's a way to express ourselves. It's a way to learn about ourselves. It's a way to get better, and I think it's sort of having that perspective and that awareness that that's the game we're playing Yeah, rather than sort of continue to build and grow what you want to do, but if it really becomes just that, then in essence, it feels like the business runs you, right? Like the the home building business runs you, the restaurant then runs you. Mm -hmm. And I heard, you know, when you said burn the midnight oil, what's nice is, is it's not sustainable to do that forever, No, but it is the best part. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like in the weird way, like that's the drug. Yeah. Yeah. That's the drug. It truly really is. I still want the drug. Yeah. I still want to get high on the grind, mm-hmm. but I'm in control of the grind. Yeah. The grind's not in so control maybe, of me. So maybe, you know, we're like not. I'm not doing the midnight oil yeah. because I have no other choice. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs and business people have a hard time. Like once they get to that place, they can't define for themselves what enough is. Mm-hmm. And then they just sort of normalize that. Does that make sense? It
1: does. It does. I mean, part of that too is we did a really cool um, business coaching program years ago um, called the e myth. I don't know how familiar you are with it. Yeah, that. I love it. So, you know, the whole technician, the manager, and the entrepreneur yeah. part of it. Um, yeah, I love it. You know, earlier on, geez, I was, you know, I was 10 different guys. All of it. Proud of it. And yeah. burning the mint on oil would not change a thing for that. But, you know, as we get older and, you know, we start to figure out the gusto thing and what worked, what didn't work you know, really, it comes down to it, you know, you really need to be up looking above down in your business and watching the things being built and the pizzas being made and going out the doors and making sure the manager is making sure, you know, the timing's great and the employees are happy and the place is getting locked up at night. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, it's it, it that, that is a battle and it's not, it's easier said than done, but we're, we're, we're back there now and, you know, we're having fun, yeah. you know, and we're, you know, high-fiving it and keeping yeah. it less is more, right? So you know, um, but that same application was applied to a posto. I mean, what I told you 30 minutes ago, like I'm not there a lot, you know, I'm really not. And it works. And, and that's get, okay. It is. I that's, mean, and yeah. granted, you know, there's so many, so much technology's change, changed, you know, I've opened table on my phone. I got my POS numbers on my, my phone app. So I'm looking at, you know, labor running and what cells are. And, you know, I see it working, you know, right. sitting, you know, rocking my baby to sleep. It's just such a wild experience we live in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am running it because I'm paying attention to it, but I'm just like, I'm not there opening a bottle of wine. I'm not saying, you know, patting Adam on the back saying, Hey bro, you know, Yeah, I'm there in spirit, man.
0: But is that empowering? I feel like that would be empowering for your team that is there, that they have that latitude, that they are part of that tradition, that mm-hmm. they are an extension Absolutely. of you And that's very vulnerable. Like we talk a lot about vulnerability and authenticity. And oftentimes folks will ask me, what do you mean by vulnerability? So, well, the ability to trust, Mm -hmm. like your ego is too big for you to be vulnerable enough to trust somebody else because you think you're the only person that knows how to open a wine bottle. Right. And if it's not me, they're smiling. Hey Adam, how's it going? Like this won't be successful. Like, right. There is that, like I go through that, right. I feel like every, every, buddy goes through that and by vulnerability it's this ability to trust others and empower others and then be an extension of you Mm -hmm. which that's in my mind I think the transition but again I mean it comes back to the thing that I love about you is you're not an ego guy you are somebody that I consider to be I think very thoughtful somebody that is kind somebody that is sitting there saying okay how can I continue to like Use this as an opportunity for me to get better, and then empower other people. And that's yeah. why I always like the conversation. But it is about vulnerability and authenticity. And if you can offer that, then this place can continue to thrive. But it empowers other people to do it because you trust them.
1: Well, you know, one thing stepping aside and you know making sure and you know sleeping better at night, knowing I'm not there. You know, I do profit sharing there too with my GM and my my chef. So. That's a, you know, total game changer there. It's like something I never would have dreamed of, you know, when it was just me going 90 miles an hour. And, you know, so, um, that's certainly helped too. you know, uh, embracing that. Like this is yours too. Cause I mean, it really is theirs. I mean, they're not shares, but they're just, it's profit. You know, we make this month, this much money, you're, you're getting that bonus. And we do them, you know, every two quarters.
0: No, I, I was supposed to set my watch and I got totally lost.
1: I'm sometimes have that capabilities.
0: (laughs) Are you, this is me. This is so me. I literally spend the first five minutes of my day. So I'm ready. Kiss the kids, kiss my wife, go to my car and then make a list of all the things that I forgot. Go back inside. (laughs) (laughs) And there's once a week. So 20% of the time I will get out of my driveway down the street
1: phone or wallet <laughs> like which one halfway yeah <laughs> Computer, Some, something my yeah my yeah my wife's like will you just put Absolutely. a note on the on the trim on the door going out to the garage like yeah the five things you need to function you know phone yeah. keys wallet computer you know gym bag like i forget one of those almost every day she's like every day because <laughs> i take the girls to, to daycare and like i feel like i'm I, one I, of the kids yeah. <laughs> right? I definitely am one of the kids. I think my wife would proudly say that you you're a child. I yeah, have three children living in this house.
0: But that's I I know that routine. What's <laughs> the best part of being a
1: dad? You're a new dad. How old are your How old are yeah. your girls? Uh, so Lucia's two and a half, and uh, Lola's seven months now. Two what's little. the best?
0: What's What's your favorite part at this point?
1: Just watching them it, grow, in yeah. new sounds, and you know, walking. Just you know, seeing the first steps, and seeing the first lab or you know um it's amazing they're they're two different creatures um and as far as like development goes you know like what happened what's happening first you know but i think i think the our youngest is going to be talking and crawling and walking you know years ahead of of our oldest um so it's wild to see that and it's like is it lucia pushing that in her you know she just probably absolutely you know she sees her walking she wants to walk but she has no idea how to Communicate, you know with her brain and tell her legs to move. So but I think it's gonna happen that that's just amazing to see that You know, and then you know, you look we we catalog our lives with our pictures So I don't journal, you know, and I my mom wrote everything down. I just I feel guilty about that sometimes I don't have like the baby book But we have our phones like I go back in chronological order and be like, okay, let's let me find that video of her Dancing Lucia dancing, you know, what what month was that when she was dancing or what month was she crawling? It's all there, you know. What so if we
0: don't? Like, what if something happened and we just didn't? I I do worry about that. Yeah. I worry about that. I feel like I yeah. want to go back through and like print them out. My wife is really good. Mm-hmm. Once a year, she will take all the events, trips, birthdays, whatever, and she makes a book. Mm-hmm. Um, That's super rad. I mean, you should have yeah.
1: the, the the backup too. But I feel like the clouds never going to go. Any, you know, once it's on the cloud. But you know, a little naive maybe, but but. The convenience of it's there, but yes, I think I think it's sad that we don't get to take a roll of film. I'm nostalgic. I'm old school, man. Like I like holding a picture in my hand, you know. Right. And we you know we do a couple pictures, but like you know we take two rolls from the Christmas holidays to Walgreens and get them printed, you know, and share them with everyone, and you know, like that's such an amazing experience. It's like no longer, you know, it's all devices and screens.
0: My grandfather, right before he passed, we started going through their old albums and it was like a black sheet of paper and then they had to put like the corner the stickers, corners. Absolutely. Did the Same thing, man. So yeah,
1: the last Lacona, you, <laughs> you, know. did,
0: you did this also.
1: Well, no, I, I encountered that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I way, would, I wasn't, if I didn't have a little wait. attention deficit, no, no, that's all right. Uh, you
0: were, you said you were 90, 90, the class of 97. I was like, is this guy 90? He yeah.
1: No, my wife would say I'm a little archaic. I mean, I think just like, Two three years ago, I was still like had the paper calendar, like the binder. You That's know? okay. No, I just like you know, it. I'm a, I need to write things down. I take notes. So I remember them. Yeah, you know, I can't. You, like, I was the kid that I couldn't just absorb the the lecture. You know what was you know on on the projector. Like, I need to write it down, and it just like then it impregnates itself in my brain. It's just the right. way so it is. Um, so I was really worried about that, you know. And honestly, I have missed a couple appointments in my phone, you know. So now I'm to help mitigate that now i set myself reminders yeah which is awesome yeah because i don't just look at my phone you know like i want to be in the moment right we have, we have a paper calendar in our hutch you know in our dining room now i just think it's important that we you know doctor visits and christina's really, paper she yeah. has a paper calendar yeah. we I mean, go through it once i just a week. don't have to look and through a phone and we have shared calendars with so many people but like there's something about getting coffee in the morning and looking at the calendar and be like nothing going on <laughs> right right what uh
0: I am an album guy. I, d- I did realize there's something just... Like vinyl? Or like or romantic. Photogre- photogre- uh, about- not... My brother Rick is. My brother's a vinyl guy. I went over there this weekend. and he's you're saying playing.
1: albums. Are we going are we going back to photos? Or uh, going to photos. V- okay. Yeah, Let's yeah, say yeah. photos.
0: Yeah. Real quick. My brother has vinyl albums. Mm-hmm. I'll take anal bum covers for 500. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? That's uh, Saturday Night Live. Okay. Yeah. Which... Yeah. Which it's, uh, no, sh- uh, Chevy Chase. Uh, no, who is it? Will Farrell. Okay. Uh, I'll <laughs> take Amy. He's a, he's a, he's a guy. Uh, who am I thinking of? Alex Trebek. No, but the, uh, Pat Sajak? No, he played, uh, Sean Connery. Okay. Yeah. Will Farrell plays Sean Connery and he goes, I'll take anal bum covers for five. He's like, uh, that's album covers. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Rick has the Lion King. So he has hundreds and hundreds of vinyl albums and he had Lion King and my kids are listening to it. It was kind of cool. Yeah. But albums like photo albums, Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to have like hundreds and hundreds of photo albums and you sit on the couch and everybody sits. you know what I mean? You can't do that on a phone. There's just something totally different. I want to print some of these out and put them into
1: albums. I agree with you 100%. But it is cool to shoot your phone into a, like an Apple TV and like watch yeah. it on the big screen. Yeah, like no that, question. But it's not the you know it's, it's not different. the same, especially like a vacation. You're like let's let's flip through, let's watch some videos. Yeah, you know I don't have to download anything. I just hit it, send it to the Apple TV, and like we're watching a video, right? You know, the ocean or you know whatever. Yeah. So
0: so one of the reasons I did this. Well, I don't know why I did this. Like podcast the whole thing. It was just one of these things that just seemed a way to have a conversation and chance to talk, whatever. Right. Uh, But I read something on the, on Instagram and they said, use social media. What made me think of this as, as an opportunity to document Mm -hmm. your life Mm -hmm. for your grandkids. Yeah. And so it totally transformed this entire podcast for me that these are just conversations that I get to have. imagine, if you had hundreds and hundreds of hours of videos of your mom and your dad yeah. having conversations yeah. with their friends, totally, you know, for your kids and your grandkids, that they had that opportunity. So that's what this became about. So, the way uh, we've really started to this is newer, this is the only second time we've done it, but uh, how we close out, oh no, sort of the What's Up Grub podcast now is give some advice to my kids, to my grandkids. Um, kind of puts you on the spot a little bit. Mm -hmm. But if you had to sort of try to sum it up, Mm -hmm. um, what life's about, what kind of advice you'd have for my kids or my grandkids?
1: Yours specifically? Yeah. Yeah, being in the moment and, you know, looking someone in the eye and still holding doors open for, you know, your elders or even your kids your same age, you know. I think it's just, it's amazing. We're just, our head's down all the time looking at our phone, watching a game or at the dinner table. So I think I think that's like a big part of it don't don't let life pass you up in that way, you know, like really be in the moment, like have these conversations, you know, get to know what someone's world's like, whether they're a carpenter, whether they're a lawyer, whether they're you know a sports guy, you know, I think just really be able to converse and get to know someone you know in real time in the present moment versus you know reading's important, but um I think we're just ever so more attracted to video, you know. I mean, I think podcasts are kind of that happy medium. I mean, I do podcasts as well. Um, ironically, I had a, a business plan for a podcast uh, after Scala closed, The Pasta Kid. Do it. I know. You got a good
0: podcast voice. Thank you.
1: You'll be my first guest. A, I'd love that. <laughs> so I was The Pasta Kid. and was actually called The Pasta Podcast. We actually have that domain name. So yeah. I still have it. It could still happen. Like no one had pastapodcast.com. So pretty proud of that. But I again, like stories are so important, you know. Um, be honest, be true, you know, always dream, write your ideas down, you know, you need a reminder. Like I need a reminder, not just like my calendar, how to get my kids to their appointments and all that stuff. But I think it's just, um, it's sort of real at that yeah. point. Don't don't rely on technology for everything, you know, try to, yeah. you know, that's what I'm going to instill in my kids. Like, you know,
0: I love it. Yeah. Just, well, I love you, man. I, I appreciate you, you coming on. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah.
1: I uh, you know, I, I think, your second one, I listened the whole thing through a camera, which I guess it was. But you have a natural. This is natural to you as well. So Thanks, keep man. keep going, keep documenting. Let our kids and grandchild, you know, grandkids, listen to this later too. Love it. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Yes, sir.
0: Appreciate it.